0: You are listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. The world is evolving. Your investments should, too. Hi there, and thank you
1: for joining us today. I'm joined by Stu Wolf, who works in a leadership role in Cisco's global security practice. Stu, thanks a lot for joining us today. Great. Thank you for having me. So let's start out a little more macro, or as I say, 30,000-foot view I saw a recent study that uh, showed that there's going to be about 20 billion uh, devices that are going to be connected over the next few years. That 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 sounds like a huge number because that translates to about three devices per person on the planet today. How does that open us up to more cybercrime, and how do we address cybersecurity uh, as we increase our connectivity?
0: So you're absolutely right, it's interesting. The Internet of Everything is definitely changing. Um, It's impacting multiple different uh, industries as well from a security perspective. Um, The uh, challenge with the Internet of Everything is that um, there really are no security standards out there today. And so you have a lot of devices that were never designed to be connected to the Internet. And with growing to, you know, 50 billion devices connected by 2020, which we predict, it 's going to be a huge challenge in being able to figure out how do we actually secure these devices These devices not we're only we we're only never designed to connect to the internet they also um, lack uh, basic security things such as being able to obtain a log to figure out what happened in the device. They don't encrypt the data. You can't necessarily change passwords in the data. And we're also starting to see now a lot of uh, cyber attacks actually with IoT devices as well. So there's been a few that have been in the news recently um, where they essentially use different devices such as a thermostat in your house um, or even a smart fridge um, to be able to use that um, to create uh, denial of service attacks and, and basically launch attacks against uh, different customers using these IoT devices. Um, so it's definitely an interesting area. The other thing is that um, by 2020, we also predict that 40% of all data will come from sensors. So that's huge because in today's world data, uh, there's very little data coming from um, sensors compared to where we predict it's going to go. And with 40% of all data coming from sensors that we can't monitor, that's not necessarily secure, that can be intercepted, definitely provides some risk. And with lack of standardization on top of that. The other thing too, We're seeing a huge amount of influx of data that we never had before, not just coming from IoT, but 90% of the world's data was created in the last two years. That's that's a huge amount, and that includes data that we know how to handle, which is structured data, but also unstructured data as well. So for example, how do you classify, you can classify a file in a system as being confidential, but how do you classify something within a file um, as at a particular security level? So definitely the Internet of Everything is changing. There's definitely a need for it, but we're starting to see a lot of security risk and attacks. For example, um, we see in the healthcare sector, um, there's attacks against uh, smart beds. There's attacks against um, uh, uh, IP uh, drips in hospitals. So you could actually um, you can actually change, for example, a paddle for a heart monitor because these devices have an internet connection or a 3G cellular connection to the internet. So manufacturers can change the settings on these devices for the paddles. But the thing is, is you you can't change the passwords. All you have to do is find out what paddle a hospital is using, look up the manual on the internet, find out what the password is, and you can change a child setting to adult or an adult setting to child imagine imagine what the impact would be. So there's there's not just financial impact there's also and not just you know theft and privacy impact on IoT but there's also real human life impact as well. Um, So definitely a growing industry definitely an interesting area and an area of focus uh, that everybody needs to start to think about on how do we actually um, secure all these things. Another interesting area on the IoT end is um, the manufacturing sector Uh, There's a lot of uh, devices in nuclear factories, for example, um, devices that uh, are being used uh, for smart meters and for um, uh, smart parking. So when you go into a parking lot it will actually tell you where there's a space that's available versus having to look for a space. There's a lot of different use cases for where IoT can be enabled but at the same time those devices also need to be secured as well. You definitely don't want to have um, you know issues in a manufacturing environment or a nuclear environment that is not secure and we're connecting old OT environments that have technology that's been around for many, many years that is not designed to connect securely. And on top of that, that equipment typically is not refreshed like we would in the IT world. So in the IT world, we understand how to secure things, although it's still a challenge, but we ref- we're refreshing equipment every three years. On the industrial side, we may refresh stuff only 15, 20 years. So how do you deal with uh, equipment that's really old and how do you deal with stuff that is not being refreshed to have the latest security standards in them uh, on a regular basis, like we would on the on the IT side. So, definitely very interesting. The the Internet of Things is uh, is definitely um, a growing area. Uh, definitely, it's it's it has many very positive use cases, but also a huge risk for cybercrime crime. And, and industry standards are definitely required to secure those devices.
1: Yeah, as you said, I think you know there's massive benefits attached to being connected but there's obviously with everything good in life there comes uh, some challenges uh, as well and I think cybersecurity is probably the biggest one facing uh, the connectivity of our of our future. So shifting out and talking more about from a corporate perspective you know I know that you see in the in the press a lot of the fortune 500 companies uh, are out there publicly stating uh, that they're could they continue to uh, view cybercrime as their number one threat for their business, obviously for financial services companies that's really important because any breach of client data can result in not just a, 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 a drop in stock price but also a loss of customer confidence. Where are you seeing the trends? Like are you seeing right now most of the Fortune 500 companies planning to increase their budgets towards cybersecurity? and I guess in addition to that, How are they actually integrating cybersecurity into their firm? Are they combining in-house expertise with contracted-out companies to help them? Um, Where's the trend going in in that whole area?
0: So it's interesting because, you know, if I go back like, you know, 20 years ago, um, security was always an afterthought and was always seen to not be a business enabler. And there wasn't a dedicated chief information security officer, um, And a lot of companies didn't have dedicated budgets for security. Um, Even up to today, uh, even security executives in a lot of financial institutions don't necessarily have true C-level status. They still report into the CIO or the CFO. Um, They need to have direct access to the board to be able to push the agendas forward. But what we are seeing is definitely a, lot, a huge amount of uh, focus on security and security as a business enabler, which is really critical. Um, if you think about a, a CISO and a bank today, they're responsible for enabling the organization so that they can have successful business outcomes, but they need to be able to do that securely and they don't want to see uh, as being uh, you know, prohibitive to, to doing business. So definitely there's a huge focus on cybersecurity programs. Um, and at the top of that, one of the biggest pushes in the security industry is especially in the financial sector, too, has always been um, regulation, right? Because that's definitely not a discretionary spend. Anytime you have any kind of compliance regulatory requirements. If you look at, for example, in uh, New York, the uh, NYDFS cybersecurity regulation, they now have to have a CISO on staff and there's multiple pieces that they have to comply with. We also have uh, GDPR data protection regulation in Europe that also requires companies that uh, do business in Americas with European companies to also comply with that as well. um, we also have mandatory data breach notification that financial institutions will be under in Canada. So there's mo- multiple different things that are also pushing. On top of that, there's also a lot more awareness um, that's also helping financial institutions to get budgets because they're also being attacked. We saw the la- la- latest ransomware attacks with WannaCry um, that had a huge um, uh, impact on the industry. Um, data breaches are also a huge uh, concern, not only from protecting intellectual capital, but also branding. Protection. Um, so there, there is more awareness definitely at the board level. Um, the challenge is, is that the, the security problem is becoming more complex and it's, there's a staffing shortage in cyber skills. And so what happens is there's a ton of requests for the security team, they're trying to keep up, they have a whole bunch of projects, and most financial institutions have been assessed to death, meaning they have a whole bunch of roadmaps from multiple different consultants on where they have to go, but they don't necessarily have a consolidated roadmap to be able to move that forward, as well as skills. And so what's happening is that um, a lot of financial institutions have to rely on third-party vendors to help them, not only from an ongoing managed perspective, um, to help augment the skills that they have in staff, uh, in-house. but also also, um, they need uh, consultants to help them move things forward right now uh, uh we actually did a study back in 2014 there was a million uh, people short in the cybersecurity field globally if they, they figured by 2020 there's going to be 2 million people short in the cybersecurity field just in the US alone and that provides uh that actually that actually um provides a big um uh, security risk as well because uh from a you know cyber terrorism perspective you need people that can actually um have uh, detect these type of threats and be able to uh, handle security um, for different institutions. So definitely a growing field, definitely a requirement because of the skills shortages, the need to move business forward securely and um, uh, you know, the board level is definitely concerned about it. Um, there's a big push to not only grow your teams internally, but also to rely on external consultants to help move things forward. Um, the other thing is that the, the the skills that are needed are actually becoming more complex too, because traditional ways of doing things, for example, we would do hacking. Um, hacking obviously is incredibly important, but the problem is, is our traditional ways of doing that isn't necessarily going to help us. Uh, when we get into uh, more advanced persistent threats that we actually need uh, technology from third-party companies to help us to be able to detect the threats that are happening from multiple different countries and impacting our business. Um, basically, uh, a lot of that focuses really around uh, behavioral and statistical analysis type of technology, along with um, skilled uh, cyber experts that can actually look at the threat data that they see and figure out what needs to be actioned. It's very hard for financial companies to be able to staff that internally. Expensive to build it, and also expensive to really try to retain that staff because they end up moving to other organizations because there's just so much demand out there in the cyber field. So. Definitely a uh, big, fortune, big Fortune 500 focus as well as a uh, need to partner with third-party companies.
1: Is it fair to say that, I mean, obviously one of the keys to effective cybersecurity is to be able to stay uh, ahead of the cyber criminals, because, you know, it's evolving dramatically in terms of the tools and the, and, and the, the ideas that cyber criminals have, that the, the, a lot of the external companies are a little bit further ahead than you might be if you're just dedicating to internal.
0: Yeah, I mean that's you know definitely a lot of the um, external companies are trying to obviously invest in as much as they can to be able to help, um, and also as I said, you know they, they obviously have the, the the staff to be able to do that as well as investment in technology. But um, because the threats are becoming more complex, it's becoming more and more difficult to do it internally, and you really need that external. If you, you take a look, for example, um, we have 600 uh, threat researchers, and you know a financial institution couldn't afford to hire 600 threat researchers. Nor necessarily right. retain them, so it's it's becoming definitely a, a critical um, challenge and because the attacks are becoming more complex it's not that like it's easy to actually see stuff, so stuff often is very stealthy um, attacks can happen over a very long period of time, and you need uh, sophisticated technologies that it can actually have artificial intelligence. Cisco analysis, behavioral analysis to be able to actually look at all this information, store it in big data clusters, and then be able to do, um, correlation to actually figure out what's going on. That kind of technology is not easy to build. And if it's not your core business, then why invest in that, you know, yourself? Why build it yourself? It's much better to just go with a third party that is focused on that, and that's all they do every day.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I've seen that there, there's definitely a human resource shortage in, in this space told a lot of people that there's 100% employment or 0% unemployment in cybersecurity. I also noticed it's interesting that in Israel has become a real hotbed uh, for uh, cybersecurity talent uh, out there. And there's obviously some pretty good cybersecurity companies, but it seems to me like the training programs that they've put together there have been uh, pretty strong uh, from an individual educational perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and we actually have a lot of uh, uh, civic stuff going on in Israel as well too um, around that that type of thing because of the amount of uh, investments and in quality of skill and all that, that type of stuff, so definitely an important area as well too, so for sure.
1: So let's close off with a few of your predictions uh, for your industry that you see over the next five or ten years. I think everybody will agree that, you know, cybercrime is going to continue to rise and the need and the demand for cybersecurity services will as well, uh, but what do you see in terms of the biggest threats and the, and the and the biggest opportunities as well going going forward?
0: I think that definitely, you know, there's going to be more of a use of artificial intelligence, behavioral, statistical type analysis to be able to detect these threats, um, not only within the data center, but also within the cloud environment. Um, it's definitely becoming more complex and we're no longer um self contained within data centers. Our 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 you know quote unquote data center environment now includes a hybrid environment uh with data all over the place within different, you know, hybrid uh hybrid cloud environments, data centers, uh private cloud, public cloud, using SaaS providers, IAS providers. Um, and, and so it's it's definitely uh the, the you know the problem is definitely becoming more complex to be able to detect. Um, the other thing is that we're starting to do things in different ways too. So traditionally when we look at securing stuff We had an application that we could deploy a defense in depth best approach where we had a application layer, um, a presentation layer, uh, an application layer, a database layer. That kind of world is gone now because we're doing a lot of um, uh, agile DevOps type of microservices development in the cloud um, that now has a lot of pieces of an application that are not necessarily in one place. We have a lot more um, east-west type traffic that requires analysis, especially in a cloud environment that's using containers, which is the, you know, the new way that we're going. Um, uh, versus our old way of just doing virtualization. Um, So there's a lot of changing technologies that are requiring a change in the traditional ways that we did security to be able to handle these threats from detecting threats in applications, ensuring that we have secure application development life cycles, that cloud is secure, um, and be able to detect those stealthy attacks using that behavioral and statistical analysis, um, as well as artificial intelligence. Um the other thing is, um, you know, we need to move faster, and I think that's really critical as well. One of the things I hear from a lot of my customers is, and I mentioned this earlier in our talk, is that, you know, they've been assessed to death. And so really the, the, the concern is, you know, don't just tell me kind of where I am, help me to get to where I need to go because I need to move faster because the board's asking me to move faster because we need to be able to have successful business outcomes and we need to be able to enable that quickly. So we're seeing a big in, uh, change in the industry from point solution selling, from selling say, you know, firewalls or routers switches or um um you know url scanning devices to uh much more um business outcome type of focused solutions um, that are actually cross architecture so what that means is um We're really trying to provide a holistic solution to a customer to help them achieve what they want to do as a business, including enterprise networking, data center, cloud, um, as well as security, which which all of those have to intertwine together to be able to help the business. So, definitely more of a business focus now than just a pure um, point solution technology type play in the industry Uh, is definitely changing as well.
1: Well, this was great. Thanks a lot for your time today, Stu.
0: Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. Remain educated, be informed. Sign up for our newsletter and learn more at evolveetfs.com.